welcome to this week's episode of Not Super Woman. Morning. Morning. You sound lacklustre. Well, I was actually just thinking it's actually afternoon, so. But that's fine. People think it's morning. <laughs> um, so now we're chatting to the heavenly, and I love her so much, Tali Roth. Tali is gorgeous and, and I, so fun. So fun. And I love that um, we have a shared history. We both had fashion labels when we were 20. Tali's was quite successful. Mine went down the gurgler. <laughs> No, that's, that's why I'm here doing the podcast. <laughs> it was, it, it's carved you and shaped you into the woman you are today. So today we have Tali Roth, the founder and principal designer at Tali Roth Design Studio based in Melbourne and New York. And God, she's fun. Yeah, she's so fun. She and fun and creative, but then what I absolutely love is completely like raw and honest too. Yeah, she's she's hilarious. And a few things that I took away from this that I loved is it's, I mean, I've, I've never had access to an interior designer. I have a lot of friends who are interior designers and I do enjoy, I guess, doing it myself, but it's something I would never, well, I've just never really had access to. And that's why I loved having a chat with her. Well, yes. And also I have no taste or style. So for me, <laughs> it was, it was a win because I was like, I, I've, to be honest, you've been my interior designer, and then, and in my twenties and so on, and then we. D- I will say, I have engaged and worked with an interior designer because sometimes and you do. just need help. Like you, do, you do because I really. Some people are natural at it. Some people are not, and some people have access to it. Some people don't, and then it also. It's like what your values are. If if it's important to you, or if yeah. you have any interest, and in some it. people just love doing it themselves. Yes. So she was great because we what we wanted to do was to be able to sort of short circuit some information so that you could apply or to well it's help, helpful hints and things that you can kind of tricks that you at could home. I guess take and do it yourself at home yeah or when renovating so um, Tali was really helpful at rounding out some really great advice. What and was then, your favourite things that she said? Oh, do you know what? Um, to be honest, it was actually not interior design related. I loved when she talked about running, being a woman, running a business. And she, I mean, I don't want to give it away. I always do. <laughs> yeah, but you could just do a little teaser. A teaser uh, is when she um, talks about how she's honest with where she's at at the moment when she takes clients on in so many words, not in exact words, but like I'm over putting on a facade and trying to be a front please of, everyone please, and be a big, big, put on a big business show when really I've got a baby at home and she's like, I'll never let you down. I'll be transparent. I'll be completely honest and I'll, I'll I will always do the work. But um, I think there was such strength in, uh, in owning that. And, and re- it also made me realize, you know, just, just being, transparent and honest with where you're at and at the moment. And people respect that, they do. Yeah, will connect you and, and your clients and, and people you work with will far greater respect it than pretending that you've got it all together. Agreed. And mine was only keep things that bring you joy. So I need to go home and throw maybe, I don't know, half my house out. <laughs> and don't put in sizal. Oh, but we love sizal, but I yeah, know. Yeah, but we love sizal, but sizal doesn't love us back. No, sizal's no, hard work. I just so. burnt the sizal. <laughs> so on that note, can't wait to chat to Tali. Welcome, Tali. Welcome to Not Super Woman. On this week's episode, we have the very talented Tali Roth. 
Hey. <laughs> Hi, Tali. Welcome. <laughs> Tali is uh, very kindly joined us today and we're going to be talking about Home Sweet Home because Tali is um, an incredible interior designer. You started your self-titled interior design studio in 2015. Mm-hmm. You've got a New York office and have worked over in New York and a Melbourne office. And you have, uh, you do anything from commercial fit-outs, residential, um, hospitality spaces, and I mean, across the board. Yep. And so we're so excited to have you sit down with us because this is like, this is a funny one. Zoe and I have talked about it a lot because we talk about how hard it is. Zoe's natural at it. I struggle with, I do not have an eye for style. I like, I get carried away with what's sparkly and shiny in front of me in the, in the moment. Um, and so we wanted to sit down with you to nut out what the basics could be if you wanted to look at styling or renovating your home. So, But we also want to hear about the nitty gritties of your life. Cool. I want you to take us back to... <laughs> the Tali Roth fashion days. <laughs> Let's start at the beginning. You started out in fashion. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so I got into fashion somewhat accidentally. My parents kind of pushed me into it after starting my honours for psychology. It seems ill-aligned, but I had always been into creativity. But I think sometimes I always talk, I try to talk about this to my kids, but they usually don't know what I'm talking about. You know how when you're like at school, you get boxed into like, oh, you're the math person and you're the person who's creative in the group and you're, and I wasn't particularly, I wasn't the creative person, but from the youngest age, I was always obsessed with fashion and obsessed with style. And it wasn't particularly fashion forward or like good, a good sensibility, but you know, I had a little sketchbook and I would, my idol was Fran Fine and I just wanted to be like her. But I thought, oh, I can't make money doing that and it's not practical and blah, blah. But so during psych, my parents, um, I had only two subjects for my first year. So they were like, why don't you do some fashion stuff on the side? I made clothes using like, you know, retail, um, like retailer, fabric retailers in Melbourne. So it was like full price fabrics uh, had this first collection, got on a plane to Sydney by myself. I think I was 20 or 21, 22 maybe, went to Sydney, tried to find a PR agency, a whole lot of things. And then I met you because we both use the same website developers. Yep, which my dad says, calls it, he calls it my creative indulgence time <laughs> and refers to it as a money pit. It was a money pit. I feel like I learned a lot about business. And one of my friends always says to me, you know, you had a steep learning curve This is making me feel so much better about my life. (laughs) (laughs) But also it goes to show like there is this in your 20s, this great naivety where you want the world's your oyster and you're like, oh, I'm going to go out and do this. And then, you know, there's some realities that set in. And, And, you know, safe to say, as you said, it probably wouldn't have put you in the stepping stone of yeah. where you ended up doing your interior design business without those experiences. I, I think I sort of rounded out that time thinking I I want to be in a creative industry. I want to get paid for what I do and I never want to be in a position again when, when someone's not paying me for like the good things that I've got in my brain. And so I met with three different people, not that you guys are sort of asking me, but I'll just explain the transition into yeah, um, great. Great. Yeah, please. <laughs> um, I met with my, like my mum's best mate is an interior designer. So I spent the day with her. We went to different, ga- she, she's a decorator. So we went and we did a bunch of things together and I sort of got a sense for what she does. 
I met with Amanda Henderson from Gloss um, for a coffee and she sort of spoke about like event production and then I went out with Chica from the big group and we had a chat about so I sort of did that. I went hardcore and I was like, all right, I'm going to figure this out. So I spent a month speaking to these people. So hang on, was this to navigate what you were going to do next? The, the stepping stone, yeah. Yep. So I knew I was going to wind down the business. I had a bunch of stock sitting there, but I was like, every time I tried to improve my margins, it just wasn't working. Like no matter what I did, and I didn't think I had it in me to create like a, t- a, a white t-shirt label, like that was going to use none of what I'm good at and everything that I'm bad at. So I was just, I sort of cut my losses and decided that, yes, that I wouldn't go back into psychology. At this point, I had dropped out. But I, I mean, I just want to highlight, that's very pragmatic thinking. Like yeah. pausing and then going three different directions, like drawing that information and then utilising what you've drawn from those three different sources and transforming it into what your next step would be. I would not have had that thought process at 20 – how old would would you be? By this stage I was mid-20s. Mid-20s. Mid-20s I'm pretty sure I was still utilising my country road retail sales (laughs) wage (laughs) to go out on the town. (laughs) I'm not that fun. I'm quite serious and (laughs) – I'm kind of a dad and I feel like we I got married at 26 like it's, oh so did I yeah right big daggy what's wrong with us like, I know it was, it I was a big sow step. my wild oats maybe a bit tad too soon love you Tom <laughs> if you're listening <laughs> he won't be he won't be <laughs> yeah I met with those people I ended up working for Chica for like casually for a year doing event styling and I felt I loved it and it was so, so, so cool and inspiring. But But I think that's why it's great trying out these things and doing what is essentially work experience or internships means that you can channel and fine-tune what it is you want to do. Mm. Yeah. I think internships are brilliant and I'll tell people that all the time. People, especially like young people studying interiors that are questioning like how am I going to get out there? I, I think it's really hard to start your own business if you're not financially supported by somebody else because... It is not very lucrative, especially in the early no, days. No, you have to have mm. cash flow. Like how are you, you know, cost of living is high. How are you actually going to pay to live? Mm. So I just would like to put that out to the universe because I think it's a, a bit Yeah, well, you have to have a reality check yeah. here. Well, sure. I guess, I mean, that's the thing. We've always talked about throughout the whole podcast on each topic is the vulnerability of owning, you know, owning what owning that but I do also think there's a tenacity that comes with what you've been explaining um that a lot of people as I joked before but like didn't have especially in my 20s 100% I I don't think that it's my tenacity came from being privileged I just think that the ability to fall down get back up keep trying was supported by like a position of privilege but I'm completely cool with that and yeah and and I you know and I don't and and the truth is in my in my business now I've never I've never borrowed money or and I will never I could just I can't do it once I've done you know that's what pleases me about where I'm at now it's extremely honest and that's what I've tried to stick to the whole time so when I meet with people I say like current like right now I've got no one working for me here in Melbourne and I've got an eight-month-old so I'm like listen I I really love what I do and I will like 100% be reliable and I will never let you down or like take a week to respond to you. But, you know, just so you know, I I don't have this fancy business. I don't even have an office at the moment and I probably will have an office again in two years and a few employees. But right now, like I'm, you know, I'd like my business to reflect exactly where I am 
in my life and where I am is there's, you know, the priorities are shared amongst other things other than work. Yeah, which I like, yeah, owning that. And I think... Yeah, and um, being transparent. I think because it really as connects people. I mean, the, as a client, if I was to come to you and you were to say that to me, I would completely appreciate well, and relate. it's up to them if they want to engage you yeah, and you haven't been, you know... If you want again, a firm of 20 people, yeah. like... And, uh, but, and and the truth is I know that that doesn't even get you reliable. You know, I hear that from people all the time. I, you know, will get – I treat my clients uh, with more intensity than often other people that they deal with in the same project. Yeah, large that are from yeah. large, You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? So it doesn't – but it's it's about what people want and the experience they want to have and, like, how they feel about, you know, you coming with, like, dishevelled hair and, like, potentially baby vomit on your shoulder. <laughs> you know, like, if they're cool with that, great. But some people want Aren't. a different experience. Yeah. yeah. So then take us through to um, moving to New York and then working in New York. I mean, I can imagine, firstly, that step would have been a big one and, secondly, the environment of working in New York is very different to Melbourne. Yeah. Um, So after I met with those people, I decided that studying interiors would be a really good move since especially I would like to have something to stand in. So I went to RMIT and I studied and then as soon as I graduated, we moved to New York. Um, My husband got a job there. Um, in property and I had an E3D visa which meant I could really do whatever I wanted and at the time I went and interviewed at a few firms that just felt it felt strange after running your own thing to sort of sit behind a computer screen and talk to nobody inside a big office with hundreds of people. I was there for a while um, but also still taking private clients on the side and then I just completely left and did my own thing Mm -hmm. and yeah so We were there for almost like just under eight years, had my first two kids in New York and yeah, it was, it's just such a different place to work. The culture of um, pushing people up is is different. Like there is everyone, this is how everyone talks in New York. I have the best interior designer and they just put your name forward and, but they say that about everything. I have the best facialist. I have the best hairdresser. Everyone's very excited about what they have and, which they, is so nice. <laughs> like, why don't we do that here? Everything's so secretive. It's a bit secretive and it's a bit tall poppy. It really is. And I, you know, it, it, so no one, there was no issue. There wasn't a lot of competition between, I had a bunch of friends that were doing the same thing as me. There was no sense of competition. There's plenty of work for everyone. Mm. Um, so, yeah, just I didn't have to try super, That became super referral-based. Yeah, yep. completely referral-based. Because I feel like it did, your business went boom. Like you, you've obviously worked really hard, but it's I, you know, I guess I guess so. But maybe it's just because when I started posting, I feel like it's all Instagram and I feel smoke like, and mirrors, baby, and it, it, <laughs> like our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so if we were to go from because what we want to try and do is provide and pull some expertise from you because this is a, a, I think we're all. At stages of our lives, we have to create a home mm-hmm. and there's nesting that goes in involved in that and some people um, are interested and into it. Some people don't have access, time or interest. Mm-hmm. Um, some have an eye for it, some don't. You, Zoe, you've naturally always had an eye for the, to tie things together, whereas I, I, enjoy I can't. I it though. So it's... You know, it's different if you enjoy it, I think, too, and it's something that you're passionate about. But I, f- I also find, like I was just thinking about what you are saying then, Tally, with being, like, you know, with COVID, everyone's at home. 
Yeah. So you need the space to be, I guess, comfortable. You need to know about the client that's living there, how they live their lives, how the yep. flow of the house, yep. you know, goes. Is it conducive to having a family? Like all right. these things, lifestyle, come into creating A hundred percent. It's not just about the aesthetic. It's about... It's the it's their it's the aesthetic. It's their budget. Yeah, makes a huge difference. It's what they do ninety percent of the time, rather than what they do ten percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of sort of marrying all of those things together to create. You know, I try to look at it not from a completely selfish and idealistic creative perspective. That doesn't really interest me. Like I've got my own aesthetic, which is like grandma seventies, like sexy Italian vibes, whereas most of <laughs> That's an interesting Does that appeal mix? to a lot of clients? <laughs> no. With children? No. <laughs> I my, my poor daughter is learning to, to crawl and she balls her eyes out 50 times a day. There is so much terrazzo and marble <laughs> and so many sharp edges. It's See, this is the thing. I will say I'm like super pragmatic and practical. I'm emotional, but I am pragmatic and practical. <laughs> and I, when going through these processes of nesting and creating a home, like we've, you know, moved, Tom and I got married at 26, we lived in an apartment. And you start with the little things and then, you know, we were renting a little house you know, and so on and so on. And then it's grown into we renovated our home because we now have a family of five. So I all the time find myself being like, well, that's impractical. That's mm. impractical. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it's marrying those two things together. I and that's think. about you, you know, like I don't have that bone in my body. Like I'm not, I don't, I'm not a very anxious I'm very anxious. Don't get me wrong. I'm Jewish. Of course <laughs> I'm anxious. But it's like I'm not anxious about people hurting themselves or don't, like, get on the car. I recognise that I prioritise design, beauty. <laughs> beauty and form often over things. The thing that I do give a crap about is I hate dirt, so I try to make sure that the fabrics I'm using are either washable or that everything can zip off. So then with children then we're talking about hiding, like, being able to hide marks or, or mm-hmm. you know, let yep. them blend in. Mm-hmm. Fabrics, machine washable, throwovers mm-hmm. that like, for example, I know there's a company called MCM House that have them, you take the linen off yep. and you can wash, wash them. It. Yep. So natural fibres, like are they the best way to go here or not? So yes, with rugs. Yeah, like I'm thinking wool carpets. Yeah, wool carpets are, you know, I, I cannot pretend to be like the doyen on all these things because I'm still learning. But wool carpets are supposed to be the best for stains because you can completely wash it like with water and soap. Yes. Um, and whereas there's a fibre called viscose, which yep. creates like a nice shine in various fabrics and carpets in particular. If you pour water onto that, it like shrivels the fibre and it like completely screws it up. Yeah. Um, so there's all different ways to go. So I will often say to people, yeah, rugs are a really good one. If you've got young children or dogs or animals and you don't have rules about like you can't eat on the sofa or you can't eat upstairs, either get 100% wool and like invest in something that you love that you know you can maintain by getting it dry cleaned. Steam cleaned, yeah. yeah. Twice a year, which is yeah. what I – our current home had cream carpet. It was my grandmother's house and I just couldn't stand to see the stains. I got it steam cleaned twice a year for a couple hundred dollars. And for me, like that is an, a, a worthwhile and, and a good investment because I can I don't have to stress about every single thing and it looks nice and clean. There's nothing yeah, worse yeah. than sitting in a dirty space because you've made bad choices about the fabric <laughs> and stuff. 
But yeah, or I say go to, I, go to Ikea and buy a sizal rug yeah. or, go, you know, something that is recyclable. It's not great for the environment, but maybe you can then like sell it on Marketplace to somebody else after a couple of years. So, yeah, the worst is to buy a silk rug with a brand new puppy and then the puppy gets their period on the rug and like I've had oh that before. God, like, oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to forgot the dogs even had their parents, to be honest. <laughs> I was mortified and it was oh, really cool. bad. I never made that. Yeah, I was more thinking about my dogs vomiting through the sizal yeah. and I had to burn the rugs. Well, because sizal you can't, you can't you can't um, I'm so nervous. I put it all in my kids' rooms. Such oh, a bad move. Oh, with gastro, horrific, right? horrific. No. horrific. Oh. Like that's you know when you hear I that noise like so that much. in the night when they're vomiting, oh. they go and I and all I do is scream. The size of. <laughs> <laughs> I always Charlie's scream. like your children are sick, and I'm like <laughs> save the rug. <laughs> Oh, God, we sorry. have gone way off track. Okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry. sorry. <laughs> um, so kitchen, do you have kitchen hacks when you're looking into design of kitchens? Again, it, does it come down to, I guess we're, we're acknowledging that for you it's very much design focused. But for me, for my own space, for clients, so with kitchen the best thing to do, I'm going to pretend that you're not working with a professional is to sort of establish what the kit, so establish the materiality and the look and feel of the kitchen first as sort of a canvas, and then start um, think about the space you're currently living in, and think about what you've cu- what you've got in every drawer, every cupboard, and print it out. Like print out an elevation. So an elevation is when you're looking straight on at something, a drawing yeah. of straight. So um, obviously, all of this stuff is easier when you're working with a professional. But even if you went to a kitchen company, like a solo kitchen company, like like you were just doing a kitchen renovation, you would look at the way that they've drawn up each side of the kitchen, the cupboards, and you would start marking, okay, I think I'm going to put my utensil seat. And then you can really have a sense of, do you have enough space? Yeah. Because really that's what it's about. Like you, you need enough space for all of your stuff and you want it to, to work with ease. So for example, I'm looking over at your kitchen and if you needed extra space, you would probably add under the um, Bench. island, you would add some more joinery there because you'd be like, actually, the kids do some arts and crafts at the table, you know, in the morning times, so I'm going to add a little cupboard there with something. Yeah, and it is. For me, it's all about storage. Like as much storage as you can literally jam in anywhere, mm. yep. jam it in. Storage is the number one. Yeah, it's, there's never enough. There's but never what enough. I'm finding, it's now actually the storage for the larger items such as like a suitcase or, a, mm. you know, yep. that I'm like, oh, God, I didn't really account for that. Yep, yeah. Um, you never have enough storage, like especially if you're renovating and not building ground up it's hard to find enough storage yeah so what's the solution we probably need to all live a little bit more minimally <laughs> <laughs> well yeah pallet shelving from bunnings i love it yeah, yeah. i absolutely love it and Same. you literally Same. just have a shed and you go Same. floor to ceiling shed yep love floor to ceiling we love the sheds love it yeah um, and so when we were talking to people about you coming on, everyone was very excited and was sort of asking us all these questions. Like, And they're difficult to answer, especially when you're talking about different spaces. Yep. Um, but it, like the dead spaces, the awkward, you know, corner, the, the shelves, like I find I've never really understood – Merchandising shelves or like, what to put on shelves? Yeah, like knickknacks and, yep. you know, that that's actually a thing. And to be honest – I um I'm the person that will like keep the, all the kids you know artwork and then my shelf will just be a 
shelf of vomit of colour <laughs> and paper and glue and whatever. That's nice. But then I wish I was that person. No, because I don't know any better. I, you know what I mean? Like I don't have that design mm. innate yeah. design sat sense. How but, do you? Yeah, I think it's nice to to sort of live the way that you. Th- think that you want to live and and for example for you if you like collecting your kids stuff I would I saw these cool um you seen these picture frames that open and you can display your kids artwork like yes I would create a dedicated you yeah. know gallery wall for my kids to sort of if if that's what I wanted to cultivate and encourage so in terms of dead space I'll start with dead space I think it's a really hard one especially with with strangely designed homes with that um the the living space especially in old homes, like they're double the size well, of they need to be. And if you're, I guess, you're moving into an existing home that you're not rearranging, mm-hmm. you know, like or, or renovating, I mm-hmm. guess, yeah. you, you've got to make do. I I really like – I've got something in my head about my friend's space and she's got this big dead space and it's very annoying. <laughs> I, I really like a back-to-front living room. So what does that mean? So it's a bit – except, you know, you need money to furnish that. But so imagine that you mirror – your sitting space. So let's say you have a sofa and then there's two chairs facing the sofa with a coffee table. Yep. Imagine that you mirror, press mirror image and you mirror image that so that you had another sofa backing onto that, um, maybe with like a console table in between and like some great flowers or, or not. And that way, you know, it becomes this kind of like communal back to front seating area and potentially on one side you've got the TV, on the other side it's you're just, just looking out to like the window, like a bay window. I don't yes. know. It's it's so specific to the space that you're in. Right. Um Another nice thing, because it is, it's so awkward, is just get two amazing armchairs on Gumtree or go and yeah. look at curated spaces and see what sale they've got on and pick a really fun Liberty fabric or like... <laughs> yeah, because you can re- reupholster yeah. things, give things new life. 100%. But is, is, it re- is it true in saying that reupholstering is pretty much just expen- as expensive? It is expensive. It's expensive for sure. I think it's about though, it, it just depends what the piece is. If you buy a $200 chair and you reupholster it, it's it's going to be expensive. It will the, the end investment will be a couple thousand dollars, but... Is, it, is that better with a shape of a chair and a fabric that you love and something that you've done as opposed to going to a store to jar down and buy a $5,000 chair or going to lounge lovers and buying a $300 chair that's been mass – like so you sort of can approach it from it, – it's about what you value and mm. if you value originality and what your budget is and like – yeah, but doing that and I kind of love – Instead of a little side table, like a really tall side table with some big flowers, like so sort of creating a little um, – interesting corn you know and a, and a great floor sculpture something to look at um but yeah if it's if it's not that practical and it's more something to fill the space then yeah you probably wouldn't spend a lot of money on it um I love what you said before about cultivating like your intentions of what you want in that space I mean that's probably hit home for me in regards to finding areas and maybe dedicating an area yeah, and so you got to look at it like, okay, I entertain, you know, I know for my mum she hosts a million, like all the high holidays and every every second Friday night dinner she'll, she could have like 12 to 14 people over for dinner. So she has like a 16-seater dining table. You know, Whoa. other people who who really dedicate their lives to entertaining, they'll have like a storage room with folding tables and folding chairs. Like that's yes. – that is something that people yeah. set up with the intention. I – for me it's – not quite the case. <laughs> no, but it comes back to things like, you know, playroom if you've yep. got children or if you've got um, yep. work from home and you have a yep. huge study. Yeah. So it all comes back to how you live in that space, how you move through yep. the space. And if you can have a dedicated playroom, that's one thing. But if you don't, I like to try and set up 
almost like play stations. Yes. So depending on the age, you know, a, a, a nice, great wicker basket filled with like baby toys um, that's near the kitchen with like a rug, you know, like yeah, my friends who have that company, Junior Junior Life, you know, like a pull it, you know. Yeah, you can pull it out. Pull it out and let them play there. Or but for you the, can pack it up and then it's an adult zone as well. 100%. Or there's a TV unit and you've actually got – just a bag of Legos, some magnetiles and a couple of books for the toddler, the older toddler. But, you know, once they hit a certain age, you can you can keep the majority of like – firstly, they're not playing with toys in the same way. Yes. They're reading a lot more. It's, you know, they've it's got their specialised – It's different. So yeah. you can utilise their bedroom storage. So it's it changes with time and I guess a lot of people just want to set and forget – but I kind of feel like the home evolves constantly. and well, it it's does when you evolve within that space. Yeah. And you can change things around. I used to do that all the time and yeah. Charlie used to come home and be like, wasn't that the living room and now it's the dining room? I'm like, yeah, I just changed it today. <laughs> it's like, can you stop doing that? But you, you're very good at doing that. Whereas, it, like, for example, Isabel, it turned four this year, but like, towards the end of last year, I sort of looked at her room and realised, I'm like, oh, she's still in like a – well, you cot, grow out kind of, of it. kind of toddler cot baby yeah. cot yeah. room, yeah. And then it sort of dawned on me. I'm like, she's moved past this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I need to uh, like move her on into yeah. her childhood and get yeah. rid of her cot and yeah. get her into a bed and, and do all you those feel sort of things. Confident to make those moves without help? Or? No, I mean, I am lucky enough that um, we've got a friend, and you know, my husband is a builder, so there's connections there to to work with someone to get the help because, no, I'm not. I've previously just relied on Zoe and said, <laughs> <laughs> and then Zoe gets I'll be that. invoicing you shortly. <laughs> yeah. for those hours Zoe I get, never get got back. a bit sick of it. No, I'm joking. No, uh, and then – but I, I wasn't confident to make those because also the measurement side of it. I mean, I'm yeah, realising yeah, yeah. now yeah. a lot of this comes down to measurements. And, yep. is and it, floor planning, yeah. Yeah, and floor planning. Like yep. I um, was talking to friends of ours that are – um, building, mm-hmm. they went to um, a, an area where they put the floor plan in 3D, 3D. Mm. so they could walk around the mm. house to see what it would look like and then yep. change the design from there. And I thought, that's oh, amazing. my God, that is amazing. Yeah, I'm a, I literally masking tape it out on the floor. Do you? Yeah. 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 Well, because if you can't have it in 3D, that's, yeah. you know, when we were doing our kitchen, Charlie mm. and I just did it ourselves, I masking taped the whole thing yeah. out in a big room. Yeah. To see how I would walk and flow through that space, which is super clever, yeah, because so it does. Clever. It comes down to measurements, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. With a lot of things, it comes down to measurements, and then yeah, I sort of thought you meant like an, an easy swap out of like I'm putting the bed in the same position. I just need to get a bigger bed. And my question is, were you confident enough to choose that bed on your own, or did you feel like you had to ask someone for help? I can go to snooze and <laughs> choose a single, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But again, you've got to think like: Are you having friends to stay? Do we put a double a trundle, in there yeah, or yeah. a trundle? Yeah. Exactly. So then, yeah. See, this is the funny thing because over time, you know, as we talk about, I guess what your intentions are, it's sort of hitting home. Just how integral that is into your furniture and yeah. lifestyle decisions. Yeah. Because I've always been one that's like, I want to be able to say to my, you know, kids, have a sleepover have friends to stay I want to be able to have my family for dinner um so I want to be able to have enough chairs that you know those sort of things now I'm like oh yeah they were the decisions that we were making that you know adjusted the space and you know I couldn't put something in the space that was an incorrect like that was that didn't that was too big or too small that would it would just 
look stupid and sort of ruin the whole thing. See, as yeah. naive as it sounds, I, I did not realise that. So when, for example, we were, you know, buying furniture for a rent, our rental and stuff, like Tom and I just would were going to secondhand stores and going, oh, that looks like a nice table. Yeah, but, and then a lot, getting but it most people and, do. Most yeah. people do. I wouldn't feel silly. A lot of so people do that. on that with – because a lot of people inherit furniture, mm-hmm. family heirlooms, mm-hmm. op shop, you know, you're, you're picking up different things everywhere through life. Yeah. How do you then use those? Like if a client comes yeah. to you and says, I've got all these special pieces I want to use, yeah. how do you then work that back in? I don't – I honestly don't have a lot of clients that, that do that or if they say, oh, I've got something, it's it's often an armchair or like a little dresser that – Little things, and you can make that work in. Yeah, yeah, and they'll only do it if they've got like a cool, quirky style. Like if I've got a client that's super sleek and contemporary, which is more so the the cat, like the kind of people that I work with here, because people aren't as into like mishmashy kind of like country. I don't know. It's just a, it's a different. It's a much, my style. It's a, yeah, your style. <laughs> it's a much more contemporary aesthetic here. Yes. Um. So people don't often say like, "Can you put my like strange like Louis the." 15th like you know chair I'm like, laughing because I'm like yeah I've got those chairs <laughs> <laughs> um and if they do and they're living in like a fabulous Victorian that we've like done a great reno to like yeah, it these clients where they've got this like secretarial desk thing from the grandmother and it works perfectly so yeah. it just depends you know so then on that as well kind of artwork I guess coming back into a space I love any artwork I'm so if someone likes what they have and um, okay no Take that back. Like if it's a strange like photograph of a graffiti wall in New York City that's framed badly, that will give me anxiety. But if it's like an uglyish painting that their grandmother gave them, I'm into it. So it may not be the centre of a room, but that's why I make so many gallery walls. <laughs> yeah, because then you get to look at everything you love and incorporate it in. Yeah, and 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 it and it's the haphazardness of it that to me is quite appealing and like very warm and and kind of adds a layer to the space. So yeah, I say if my motto is kind of if you love it and if you can tell me why you love it, like let's make it work. The best thing that you can do. Um, is start as early as you can and accumulate little pieces. So go like there's such good art in Australia. It's ridiculous. Like it's I, I you know I would always buy my American clients Australian art. A this exchange rate's awesome, but you know like even if you go to modern times, the Americans. On, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 that one. If you go to Smith Street. And you go to modern times, like their art collection is wonderful. These, you know, what's that store? Arts Project in Northcote. Have you been there? There's so many. Yeah. And I was on Sunday Shop. Like there's so many great. Also auction houses. Yep. You know, I've since learned, um, you know, great stuff goes through. Sotheby's, they do a weekly auction and you go there and you bid on the things that you but like. But it's nice because it's a vast array. Like you can have anything that's sort of sitting around $50, $100 oh, posters yeah. yep. to, to, yep. to the more yep. advanced stuff. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing, lighting. I mean, I didn't, again, Very I hard. didn't realise that there – I learnt even the word sconces. Charlie's <laughs> <laughs> like, a scone. And I'm yeah. like, it's a sconce. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, what's a sconce? I'm like, we yeah, we did not account for Tell those. us, Tully, what is a sconce? A sconce is a wall light. Um, and it adds a lot to the space. It's it's all about layering. So adding wall lights means that 
you know, it's the same kind of light that a, a floor lamp or a table lamp would give off. So, you know, when all the lights are off at night and you just put on your sconces or a, or a little table lamp, it's that ambient, like, kind of moody light. Hot lighting, I call hot, it. Yeah, hot. Yeah, it's so funny because I need that. I need to – if I'm winding down at the end of the day, same. I cannot be in full light. Yeah. It, it's it's assaulting lighting. to me. Yeah. yeah. And Tom, whereas Tom could sit in Seven Eleven lighting and be totally fine and it go is. to switch off the light and go to bed. I need to like to wind down same. with my lighting the same, same. way I'm winding same. down for the night. Lighting's really hard. Um, I think that a good lighting tip is um, so look at your space, see how much natural light you have. Like that's always going to be the most important light. And if you've got plenty, then you're really lucky. And if you don't, then you probably need to layer up a bit more artificial light. Then look at your recess lighting, so the ones that go into the ceiling, and then look at your pendant lights, so the things that hang down and that are decorative. Um, and if you've got a dining and a living space in the same room, think about how you want them to interact. So maybe you just want a, a pendant over your dining table and then you just want an epic lamp and or some sconces in the living space, or you might want to do two of the same. You know, you yes. you don't want to compete because you're trying to create. You want to come zones. in and yeah, and assaulted well, by lights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be like it's like artwork hanging from the ceiling. You don't want yes. to come in and be like, hang on, which one do I look at first? You want it to blend quite nicely. So yep. if you're doing a feature one over the dining, you might want it to be a different type of lighting in that space. Um, and then, so with colour palette, mm-hmm. do you have, is that in the initial stages, should you consider it from the outset of trying to fit out your room with furniture and mm. what, you know, paint you want to choose for your walls? Colour's really hard because it's, sometimes it tends to evolve from the stuff you start picking. So I think that if you appreciate colour and you're working with somebody, you need to make that known and sort of like state that intention. I don't want a house that's white and beige I want lots of colour or I like clean walls I want to you know like send keep the colour in the pieces um I sort of tend to guide the client often by looking at the space so for example in open living dining plans I think it's hard to have coloured walls if you're not 100% committed to like living that colourful life because there's not there's no delineation for where it starts and ends. Whereas, and this is a, you know, in a contemporary home without cornices and without all this architectural detailing, it's much harder to do that. Whereas if you go into an older home with lots of different rooms, it's Mm. much easier to go like a dark and moody dining space and then like fun wallpaper, you know. So in a more contemporary home, I find keeping the living dining space more neutral is usually the way that I go. Mm Mm-hmm. And then injecting colour into the bedrooms, into the sleeping spaces. So it doesn't have to be intense colour. It could just be sort of muted tones or wallpaper or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of coming out from a from a decorative perspective, not when you're planning the space ground up. Do you have – so you say you're working with someone who is um, budget restricted. Do you have go-to online stores or stores that you are like, these are really good quality, these are – or do you – I think the best thing to do if you're budget restricted is to look at what you need – this is very practical, create a spreadsheet. I love so, practical. Yeah, I love a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. So you say, okay, I need to let, – let's pretend they've got nothing So and they've got not very much to spend. I don't think – if you don't have very much to spend, furnishing a house top to bottom is unrealistic. So I would sort of go through the space and say, all right, in my di- I need a dining table, I need six chairs, I need a sofa, I probably want to get an, an L shape because my husband likes to watch the 40 and I want one armchair. And I think that you then – you sort of have to allot 
budgetary numbers to each of that that sort of, you know, total the end result. And so you take into account, okay, we're, we're moving with all of our original beds, like the kids have their beds and mattresses, so that's done. I just recommend kind of ignoring as many of the spaces as you can and focusing the budget and sort of doing well less, you know, like as in... Yeah, like you would probably, how I think about, I guess, a wardrobe, a capsule wardrobe... By yes. less, by better, it's going to last you longer. Yes, mm. yes. And Rather think than about trying where to, you're going to yeah. invest and mm. what you want to prioritise first Correct. and you build it up over 10 years. Yes. So, or like 50 years. <laughs> you know, so you've got to think about do you want it to be – often people would say, well, I don't think my kids need anything fancy and maybe your bedroom you don't want to do anything fancy because people aren't going in there, but you want to be able to have people over so you want to make sure that you've got – a nice dining table and chairs and blah, blah. I love the advice of what you said. Like, think about the space. I mean, we've talked about measuring it out, making sure that um, whatever space you're working with, it fits, and then prioritising, like, buying less but spending more so that you've got quality that lasts for longer. Yeah. So I feel like there's actually more kind of affordable mass-produced site uh, there's not a lot in the in-between market is there mm. here they're sort of like yes cheaper sort of because um, when I think of you know New York and things I think of anthropology I love a lot of their yeah, stuff yeah CB2 um, is one of you know it's like a kind of like a West Elm and it's really but we can we can compile a list and pop it in the show notes as yeah. well mm. yeah yeah of different things for people to yeah, yeah definitely I um I just love the idea that I'm drawn always to the practical side of working out had I had known from the get-go measurements lighting mm-hmm. wall space were basically the integral things I should be looking at yep um I probably would have had more confidence to to, to give it a go but obviously ideally working with a professionals like I you know so if we wanted to book you say for two hours could we just an initial consultation could someone ring up and just have like you know when you want to talk through no but I'm on this platform called the expert yep um have you guys seen it yes no. I I actually yeah saw it and you ha- you can book a consult yes, that's right you mentioned so I don't do hourly consultations or anything like that I probably should um, but I don't, and but I often will send them a link to the expert and be like, just book an hour with me. Yeah, yeah. And then you can ask them all the questions you've got yeah. going and go yeah. boom. It's really good, especially if you start with you know, because a lot of people are doing different things. They're, they're working with a builder, but then they you know who's doing who's not doing the design, but sort of guiding the design and the process. Um, and so then it might be good to have a couple of sessions over time with the designer because yeah, design fees are super expensive. We always ask our guests. Um, oh gosh. Uh, a hindsight question. Intimate questions. No. Oh, the hindsight question. The hindsight question. So um, it, oh, w- what would you have told yourself when you were first sort of nesting into your home, whether it be renting, renovating, what have, what did you learn? What mistakes did you make? What would you have done differently? My first nesting experience. Well, I sort of associate nesting with being pregnant. Yeah. I learned a few things. Like, so because I've lived in a bunch of different spaces because we rented so many different spaces over time and I've furnished all of them in different ways, I learned lots of things. So my first experience, I learned I hate a glass dining table. Mm. Horrific. Hate, hate glass. Like, I can't – I love it. I love the look of it, but it's just I'm too anal to live with it. Um, I learned – From marks and dust. Yeah. Can't handle it. I learned that I shouldn't buy things just to fill the space. I should really love it. And I also, that was after my first nesting experiences when I was like, I need to dedicate myself and educate myself about vintage furniture because when you fill your space with just 
nice stuff. It just fall, you know, like unless you've injected something that is completely yours and quite unique and a little beaten. Yeah. So those were the things that I learned. Um, but I, I don't regret. So, you know, I was thinking about how I was, you know, 38 weeks pregnant on my hands and knees with Dettol wipes, sort of like my obsessive cleaning thing. I'm kind of into it still. I thought it was cool. Yeah. I'm into it. it. I still obsessively rage clean all the time. I love it. Love it. I love cleaning. So it does. Much. It makes me feel like I'm I'm gaining I control. Love. Yeah, gaining control <gasps> of it. Do you guys ha- have you heard of the? Um, if you're about to tell me about the bloody um, vacuum robot, in, no, not the vacuum in, robot. In, I don't I'm like put it. it in, put it in show notes. Same. I'm gonna put in show notes, guys. You, 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 I'm gonna put in show notes. It's called High Zero. H I Z E R O. Have you heard of it? Do you Is have it one? Good? It's so good. You don't have it? Okay. Like you could spill spaghetti and it vacuums it up and mops at the same time. It's epic. Oh, my God. It's really good. See, but see, for, for me, I'm like looking at Gabby Dollhouse dolls all oh, over the floor. I love it. <laughs> it's Gabby. Oh Wait, God, what? Gabby, like cat, Gabby Cat. Gabby Cat. Gabby Cat. Gabby <laughs> Cat. My son, Romeo, obsessed with Gabby Cat. Too funny. Yeah. Well, thank you so much You're for so sitting welcome. with us and going through all of this. You've been... So helpful, so informative and so fun. It's, no it's been a pleasure. I'll be back again in oh, a year. Oh, yeah. well, Thanks, Tali. <laughs> no worries. Oh, yeah, this is my free one session. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Not Super Woman. You can find extra resources, links and information on our website, which is notsuper-woman.com. Is that a dash or a hyphen? A dash is a hyphen, rash. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> um, and if you're enjoying what we're bringing, you can follow us on our socials and we're across all podcast platforms. So hit subscribe, guys. 